Retiring is more expensive than ever with all these technological devices that we have and we want to do these things and have all these things and technology and, and again, monthly subscriptions, they just add up. They do. And so most people, uh, their lifestyle doesn't change a whole lot. And I've mentioned my dad on this show several times, but again, every day Saturday when you're, when you're in retirement. So if he gets bored, sometimes he'll go out and just go buy stuff. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Welcome in to Perfect Game Retirement. Today we're talking about how much things are changing in the world of retirement, how difficult it is for people now versus what it was for their parents 20 or 30 years ago. And, you know, every generation, there's new challenges, new obstacles, but it seems like you know, now things are a little bit tougher for a lot of people now as they head into retirement. So we'll talk about why now it's not your father's retirement that you're preparing for and what you need to do and what you need to be thinking about as you plan for your own retirement, whatever age that might be. Ryan, welcome in. How you doing? Doing well, uh, getting into the to the summer routine, so it's uh, it's been good. Got a lot of baseball and softball on the docket. Yeah, is that every weekend for you now? Uh, close. Thank goodness it's it's not. Um, my kids are still at a young age where it's we're not uh, we're not making them play every single weekend. So my daughter has a couple more tournaments finishing up June, and my son's got uh, one. So looks like a clean slate for the month of July with the exception of the very end of July uh, my son starts football practice but at least they get uh, a pretty good chunk of summer though good that's good so enjoy that and and uh, hopefully everything hopefully the competition side of it goes well I know the kids don't worry about it as much as maybe you might but uh, we always, <laughs> no, we always it's, pull it's clear <laughs> it's clear the parents worry about this more than uh, <laughs> yeah. than they do <laughs> yeah, absolutely well, look I'm, I'm excited about today's conversation again we're talking about uh, why it's not your father's retirement that you're preparing for right now and some things that are different along the way we also have a mailback question we'll get to a little bit uh, later on in the show, so make sure you stick with us to the end. If you haven't joined us before, you can find everything we do on blackoakam.com. That is the website. We'll put the podcast up there. Plus, you can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online now. There's education seminars and workshops, now webinars as well, online. So plenty to access there on the website, blackoakam.com. Ryan is the president and financial coach over Black Oak Asset Management with their offices in Alpharetta and Cartersville, serving that Atlanta area for you. So if you're looking for someone to begin your financial planning process, Ryan is a great place to start. Ryan, I, before we get into the conversation, I got a little getting to know you question that we, we like to ask uh, from time to time on the show to get, a little, get to know you a little bit better away from the office. Uh, the question I have for you today, what's a good habit you have now that you wish you would have started a lot earlier? Uh, good question. I feel like I have pretty good habits as far as, you know, eating my health and, and fitness and pretty consistent with my faith. It's probably reading. And yeah. I did not like reading growing up as a kid. I don't, there's, well, I shouldn't say it. There's a lot of kids that do. There's a lot that don't as well, because I think you're supposed to read certain things throughout school that may not interest you. And I think it, it, it develops later when you actually can read things that you really enjoy. But I really didn't even start that until probably my early 30s, uh, where I was consistently starting to read and figuring out, okay, there's a lot of ways to, to self-educate yourself and to grow and to continue to grow. And really, the, the first books that I really started diving into was getting into this business 
as a as a former high school teacher, you know, I would consume a lot of historical things as I was a U.S. history teacher as well as economics. But I really started uh, diving into this financial planning world and just started reading as much as I could, uh, even on my breaks, teachers would see me, you know, I'd be doing hall duties and stuff like that. And I'd have a book in my hand and reading it. And they're like, holy cow, what are you reading? And I'd show them and their eyes would be really wide. Like, what in the world are you reading that for? But so I really do think the the amount of reading I've done in the last probably decade, I guess, uh, has really helped me to grow and to think differently about certain topics and to continue to grow. Uh, I, I've gotten to the point because I'm, I'm studying for my CFP and doing a lot of coursework. So that's, I've hit the pause button on that because the textbooks I have to read for that have, have pretty much consumed all my time. But uh, I have stacks and stacks of books that I'm sitting there waiting <laughs> whenever my CFP coursework and test is done, I'm going to start diving back into. But I definitely, if I, if I hear or see something, I'll buy it quickly. I think a lot of people do that. And they don't get around to reading it, but I have a stack uh, in my office that I'm keeping separate. That That's the first stack I'm going to to read. So definitely reading. I'm trying to encourage my kids to do it, pick out things they want to do as opposed to what they are, uh, as opposed, excuse me, as what they're opposed to be doing in class. Um, so trying to continue that with them at an early age, because I could have cared less when I was a kid. <laughs> I'm the same boat as you, man. I, I didn't enjoy reading uh, during the summers when we were supposed to do all the reading, right? The reading assignments we had. Mm-hmm. I was uh, always very slow or just ignored them altogether. My wife's complete opposite. She's like, if our, if our daughter is more like you, I'm going to be, it's going to drive me crazy. I want her to like be excited about reading, like passionate about it. Like I was, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping she follows my, my wife's footsteps. (laughs) Yeah. I've always been a math guy. So uh, yeah, if we did group reading in class, I mean, that was like my biggest fear as opposed to, well, I guess maybe singing in public would probably be my worst fear. Uh, I have the worst, worst voice ever, but reading to a class, oh my gosh, I used to get so nervous because really? I just wasn't, <laughs> was not good at it at all. And so I didn't want to feel stupid and I felt stupid when I read out loud. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, it, it you know, it, it is kind of how it, you know, how we, we change through life. And it's funny because, you know, our kids will be different than what we are. And it, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of what we're talking about today too, right? I mean, our, our retirement that we're planning for is going to be much different than what our parents planned for when they were our age, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. So let's talk about that a little bit and what, what people can expect to be different now than what it was for their parents. And the world is a much different place. We know that. And, and I think the place that you start with, you know, for our parents and, and their parents, you know, you, you looked at the age 65 and boom, when you get to that point, there's no reason to work beyond that. But as we get older um, and, and we, we begin to live longer, you know, and have healthier lives. It's okay to work beyond 65, right? Yeah. It, you see it more and more, uh, today be, because of well, a variety of reasons. One, you know, pensions have gone away for the most part. Obviously there's still some out there, but there's still some private sector pensions, not many. And, and the ones that we mostly see are, are still government sector type pension plans. So those have gone away. Uh, social security, uh, is, is usually delayed like full retirement age for people born after, uh, 1960 is age 67. So that continues to be pushed back. So there's a, there's a variety of different things. You can also throw in people aren't saving as much and, and they need to save a good bit more because of that lack of pension or because of that social security benefit starting later in life. So it, it's certainly okay to, to work longer. Uh, some people thoroughly enjoy what they do for a living. So they want to continue on. 
It's not a grind, if you will. You also have longevity, people living so much longer that retiring at 65, they may think, okay, what am I going to do for the next 30 years of my life? So people may not have that. Um, They may have their financial goals in place, but they may not have that purpose goal uh, in place. And and that's one of the largest components to helping people get through that retirement space is, okay, now what? What are you going to do now? And for some people, that's easy to figure out. For some, that's very difficult. Uh, they don't not sure what to do. They are no longer a, a go-to person, if you will. Uh, that retirement starts and that connectivity to other people sometimes goes away. And, and some people have a hard time with that. Some people are like, thank God, <laughs> I don't have to deal with that anymore. But some people, uh, they, they want that and they want to feel uh, important, if you will, or someone who is sought after for answers. So working beyond the age of 65, I think more and more people are finding what they truly want to do. And so there's not a line drawn in the sand of, okay, I want to retire at this age and I don't work, want to work one day longer. I get less and less of that the more I sit down and meet with people who are pre-retirees about to enter that world. Uh, there are still some that absolutely don't want to work past a certain uh, certain age, but there are still plenty that are flexible. They're like, you know, I'd still like to do something. I'd still like to stay engaged, uh, or maybe they own their own business and it doesn't make sense to sell their own sell their business. Maybe it makes sense to continue working. So it's certainly okay to work much longer. Now I am going to, some of the younger generation, I guess you could say millennials, we get a lot of leads from millennials as well, being part of the Dave Ramsey network. So it's funny how I do get a lot of those individuals who want to retire early. Like, and it's, it's great that they know that they're in their late twenties, early thirties, and they know, Hey, I want to retire at 55. I want to retire at 50. Hey, that's awesome. Good for you. But let's, let's back into that number and do you realize this money is going to have to last you for maybe 45, 50 years? That's a long time. So you better save and you better save in some non-retirement type of accounts because you can't get to some of these until you're 59 and a half. So it is kind of a, a generational uh, type thing where I think baby boomers, obviously there are more and more of them are retiring every single day, but I'm a generation X guy. And for me, I'm, I want to keep working as long as I have the, the mental and physical capabilities to do so. I want to continue working. Now, I have a long time before I reach age 65, but if I had to predict what I would do right now, I would continue to work. Yeah, I think just the, for the longest time, you just were looked at or just thought about there's a stigma of being a failure if you were working beyond 65. Like you didn't mm-hmm. do things the right way. You know, you're still working when you, don't, when you shouldn't be, but it's okay. To be working that beyond that, it's uh, it's actually becoming more and more common for people to go that route. And I think, especially if it's a purpose-driven thing, uh, people keep doing it because I've been to tons of conferences, huge guest speakers, and so many of those individuals are way beyond their sixties. Uh, they're in their seventies, eighties, and it, they're still they're still going. Uh, so it's admirable, but they're doing things that they truly want to do. It's not a grind for them, right? So that's our first. Uh, reason why things have changed a little bit. And the next one, I, I like this one because I think this is very important for most people to, to really pay attention to and, and, and focus on when they're planning for retirement. You know, being retired now is probably going to be more expensive um, than working even. And, and you know, you look back and, and for the longest time, I think, and there's still this kind of this idea that, 
when you're retired, your expenses are going to go down uh, and maybe even significantly when you're no longer working. But today, you know, that, that retirement carries a much higher price tag because of health care costs, you know, trying to keep yourself healthy in terms of fitness and nutrition and travel plans, like all these things add up a lot more now than they did back then. So, you know, don't expect a, a, a smaller amount of expenses necessarily when you're retired. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, if you Google like, you know, how much how much can I retire on? Yeah, you 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 would see oh, 60% or 70%. I mean, when we do retirement plans, we try to get to as close to as 100% as we can. Now, obviously there's varying degrees of of income of people that we sit down with, but we try to get as close to 100% as possible because sometimes people undershoot it and say, "Oh, well, you know, we only need $6,000 a month, let's just say. Uh, but then you start adding everything up and people's lifestyle just doesn't get cut by 30% or 40%. They're wanting to do things. We are um, a healthier world than we were, you know, decades and generations ago where, you know, when Social Security was first created, on average, people were collecting it for two to three years. Well, that's not the case anymore because of technology, modern medicine, people being more aware of, you know, smoking cigarettes are bad for you, things like that. People are living longer and so they want to do more. And so that costs more, which when people live longer, that means there's a greater chance of health issues down the road, whether that's physical, cognitive, it, there, there's, there's more need for care one day. So most people, when they do get to retirement, we try to have that income level just about the same, maybe slightly less, but try to keep it just about the same because usually the first decade when people retire, we kind of nickname it their go-go years. They want to do, they want to travel. You know, the next decade is usually the, the slow go. You kind of slow down, maybe not do as much. Um, and then, you know, maybe the last decade or five years is the no-go. Uh, maybe you don't do as much. But obviously, costs will increase because of, of healthcare reasons. So retiring is more expensive than ever with all these technological devices that we have and monthly subscriptions and all that. You know, just think generations ago, we didn't have all that stuff. It was pretty simple. But now we want to do these things and have all these things and technology and, and again, monthly subscriptions, they just add up. They do. And so most people... Uh, their lifestyle doesn't change a whole lot. And I've mentioned my dad on this show several times, but again, every day Saturday when you're, when you're in retirement. So if he gets bored, sometimes he'll go out and just go buy stuff <laughs> for no rhyme or reason, which is okay. Uh, but just know that that's going to happen. And if you still have, if you're married and you still have a spouse and you want to go travel, that's going to cost money too. So I really like to plan for someone to keep about the same income in retirement as they do when they're working. And kind of, you know, parlaying off of that and, and much of for those same reasons, you know, retirees today are often having a lot more problems to juggle than previous generations of retirees. And, you know, a lot of it's to what you said. Plus, you know, that you have a lot of retirees that are taking care of both their parents and, you know, assisted living needs or long-term care needs. And then they have adult children, right, that are maybe even still living at home or they're helping with their education expenses that have gone up a lot. Um, they don't have pensions. Like there's so many other little items that have to be balanced now for retirees than it did, they did before. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they obviously they nickname it the sandwich generation where, yeah, they're still, they may be providing care for a parent and 
adult children as well. So they're providing support for both in which they have less guaranteed sources of income one day because of those pensions have gone away for, for most, not all, but for most. And it's all based off of, you know, what they've saved. And so that sandwich generation is, is put in a bind because again, they're caring potentially for, and I've met with several people that they have just brought their, you know, mother-in-law or their father or whoever just to live in their own home because it's just so much easier to do. And they may have an in-law suite there and they're, they're right there and where they can care for them if they need to. They're not ready for the assisted living or nursing home yet. So they, they take them in to their household. And then again, you may have that uh, college grad who's got $50,000 in student loan debt and they're trying to pay that off and trying to find a job and get on their own health insurance. It can be, it can be a bind. I'm, I'm not at that stage of my life yet. Uh, my dad's in great health, knock on wood. My kids are still young, but I could foresee that um, being, being an issue one day to, to plan around. And kind of going back to the student loan debt and even credit card debt, there's a great, I don't know if you've seen it and I can't think of the name of it. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, of course, me being the, the finance nerd that I am, it popped up as a suggestion. <laughs> uh, it's called Money Explained. Um, it's okay. a little mini series. I think the first one was on, may have been credit card debt. The second one may have been on uh, student loan debt. And it's okay. just the, the amount of student loan debt. I knew it was an issue, but when you start hearing individual stories on that, it's like, good grief, how do you, how do you expect people to, to get ahead? Now, do I think student loan forgiveness is the, is the solution? Um, I don't think so, because it's got to come from somewhere. But it's just putting those younger generation um, adult children in a bind to where it's spilling over and falling on the, the parents who may already be taking care of a parent as well. The last one I, I wanted to, to mention in terms of the way things have changed for retirees today, you know, portfolios, when you design these, Ryan, you probably are working with people, and I think we've talked about this, to to fund expenses for 30 years or so, right? Because retirements could last that long. If you retire in your early 60s, living in your 90s is you know not that uncommon, where you know, maybe for our parents and maybe their parents, you know, when you retire at 65 and life expectancy was in your 70s and you have Social Security and a pension coming in, you don't really have to do a whole lot of planning to know that you're probably going to be taken care of, but things are so much more different now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the plans, yeah, that we do, we do uh, like 35 years out just to plan for that. Because again, now I know recently actuary tables have actually decreased a little bit where life expectancy has, has gone down and that, okay. that wasn't actually like COVID related. Um, I'm sure COVID probably maybe decreased that some, but I, uh, before COVID, because we, we broker out life insurance as well. I remember the actuary tables changed a little bit. So life insurance became a little bit more expensive, not significantly, but a little bit more. Um, because it finally got to a point where it started to regress um, a little bit because it's been continued to go up. Now it's still the chances if you're you know in your 60s and you're healthy, the, the chances of one of you, if you're married, uh, one of you living into your 90s is greater than 50%. So there's still very good odds that you will live a long period of time. So we do it for 35 years. If people are just, you know, got their heels dug in that they're only going to live for 25, okay, we can, we can do that. But I'd, I'd much rather plan for a longer um, duration of retirement than a shorter duration. Uh, that way it's just, it's baked into the plan. But yes, again, 
kind of rehashing what we've already said before, uh, pensions have gone away. Uh, Social Security is still a, and I know it's a hot button topic, it's still a great source of income for a lot of people, especially a a married couple who has two benefits. That's a a big chunk of money. I mean, that can be six grand, even more uh, every single month coming in just from Social Security, hence why we probably have an issue with Social Security. Um, And and I have a lot of people questioning it, and, and I get that, but there'll be ways that the federal government they're not going to they're not going to touch social security if they don't have to and so they'll find other ways to fund that so i still i still want to plan for social security uh, cuz i think that's not being responsible if we just throw that out and say oh it's going to be a bonus one day well okay great but we need to factor something in because you've paid into it for so long and it will be something that's probably like grandfathered in or they'll change the retirement date for, for people who were born later, uh, like myself, born in the 70s. Okay, maybe 68 is going to be our age now. So a lot of different things they can do and uh, trying to get people to save money, uh, especially the younger generations. Again, what I just mentioned with student loan debt, they're strapped with student loan payments that they can't even afford to to save, uh, whether it's a 401k plan through their work. Um, they just they, they don't have the ability to to do that. So I do think there's going to be a retirement issue one day where people are going to have to just work because they have to, uh, because they haven't saved any money or enough money, I should say. So I do think there, I don't know if I want to call it a retirement crisis, but I do think there's going to be some retirement issues with with a lot of people and they're going to have to continue to work. And Social Security is going to be that main source of income, which for a lot of people it is now, but I think that percentage is going to continue to, to grow more and more. And then we haven't even talked about inflation. We haven't even talked about, again, the interest rates, where they're going. They can continue to to probably go up, which means, you know, some of our safer investments that we, we bank on, like bonds and things like that, are, are have an inverse relationship with interest rates. So think of it as a seesaw. Interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So we have to deal with that. Um, the volatility of the stock market, that's never going away. Uh, so I don't, want, I don't want the volatility of the stock market to be a negative thing because there's, it, it, volatility means down, but it also means up. Uh, so that can be a good thing as well. And, and obviously, we're in 2021. What, what tax changes are going to happen? Uh, we know they're going to change. Just what are they going to change to? Now, it could be short term. This, this could only be for the next two to three years. could be for the next six to eight. Uh, but what is it going to be beyond that? What's it going to be the next 15, 20 years? What's that going to look like? I don't think anybody knows, but the way we're, we're handing out money, I don't think they're going to go down. Yeah. Well, I think the ultimate message maybe we can leave people with, Ryan, um, would you say it's just that although this, this all seems like, oh, it's all bad news, right? Oh man, I'm never going to be prepared for retirement. There's just too much work to do. It's just so much more difficult. But I guess the ultimate message is that with proper planning, you can overcome these things, right? I mean, it's not like retirement is going to be out of reach now. It's just you have to do things differently than they were done before. Yes, uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, this, I mean, this may be a, a shameless plug for, for us as an advisory group, but also other advisors out there. I think advisory groups have had to change their model. You can't just be a, oh, you know, buy my mutual funds and I'm going to get paid commissions on that or you know, my, my exclusive portfolio that you can, that you can only get through me. Um, that it's just, that's not the, the way anymore. I mean, people can go online and do all this investing stuff on their own, but there's so many 
different ways. There's so many pieces of the puzzle to put together when it comes to retirement planning. So that's where I know I will always have a job because I know that we are planning for those people who this is very difficult. Now the accumulation phase when you're working, okay, maybe you don't need an advisor while you're just saving in your 401k or saving in your Roth IRA. Great. Maybe not. But taking all these things into consideration and decumulating your assets, how to create an income, how to be tax efficient, where are those income sources coming from, diversify your income sources. I mean, there's so many different things uh, uh, to it. So if it's an advisory group who only just does mutual funds and that's it, those are dying out and going away. It's, it's got to be the comprehensive planner who takes all that into consideration um, and, and develop a plan for people and, and keep them on that path the whole way. Because if they're not adapting uh, the way the landscape is, then, then they'll go away. So that's where you need to find a, a holistic planner who's going to take all these, all these pieces of the puzzle and, and lay them out for you. Yeah. So don't, don't just rely on, you know, your parents and their guidance for what they did, because it's probably not going to be accurate for you and and everybody's different anyway. So make sure you sit down with a professional. If you want to work with Ryan and his team at Black Oak Asset Management, you can find them online at blackoakam.com there. You'll be able to schedule your retirement coach 360 session right now and get, uh, get that planning started. But it is important to do, as you see, there are so many moving parts to have somebody there that can help assist you through that process is so valuable, so valuable to you. So blackoakam.com. All right, got a question I want to get to before we get out of here. It came in from Kate in Peachtree City. She says, I have a catch-22. I have some Apple stock that I really want to sell because I made a lot of money over the years, but I'm worried about the tax bill I might create when I sell. So what's more important, capturing gains or keeping taxes low? I like this one. Yeah, that's a good good question. We, we see whether it's Apple or any other stock, um, Kate, there, there's a, there's a long winded answer to this question without knowing the specifics and, oh man, that this is the, again, this is what get my juices flowing. This is kind of the nerdy part of a, of a planner where you have to take into consideration what that tax bill may look like. Obviously, again, we're not CPA, so we don't give the specific advice, but we can tell, okay. You know, this is taxed at capital gains. This is taxed at ordinary income, so on and so forth, to give people an idea. But um, if you have a large share of of Apple stock and it's held in a brokerage account or just an investment account, then depending on what tax bracket you're in, again, I don't want to get in the weeds way too much, but there's a way where if if this needs to be income for you, there's a way you can sell off this Apple stock. And if you don't have any ordinary income, say you're in retirement, then you can use this as your retirement income and it's taxed at capital gains rates. Well, capital gains, if you filter it through, if you're in the 10 or 12% federal tax bracket, well, your capital gains rate is zero. So there's a way maybe not to liquidate and sell all the Apple stock depending on the stage of life that you're in, if you're in retirement and you just want to sell this Apple stock and you keep it under, again, the 12% tax bracket. Now that depends, Kate, if you're married or if you're single, obviously here's my disclaimer, consult your CPA (laughs) for that specific (laughs) advice, but there's a way to pull that income out and you're not going to be uh, taxed because capital gains rates is 0% for the 10 and 12%. 
Now, the big overarching question is capital gains rates going to change? Uh, I think so. And that's not entirely speculative on my part because the federal government has said that they are targeting capital gains and they're targeting uh, increasing that rate. Now, they're talking about people who make over a million dollars a year. So, Kate, good for you. If you make more than a million dollars a year, your capital gains rate will probably go up. So, newsflash, if that's the case, and capital gains rates is going to go probably almost double uh, what they are now, it may make sense just to go ahead and bite the bullet this year and sell it all and pay that capital gains rate at a lower rate than it is now. Uh, so, But if you're not in, if you don't make more than a million dollars a year, Kate, then that tax rate may not change a whole lot. Uh, so uh, there's just a lot of it depends in this situation. So Depending on what tax rates go to, you could sell. Um, it depends on what your cost basis is. Again, cost, cost basis is your principal, like what you bought Apple for and what it's grown to. So you're going to pay tax on the difference between the two. So there's just so many it depends. Uh, would love to have a conversation with you, Kate, again, or seek somebody else out. But it, it's worth a conversation to talk about because that is saving huge amounts of taxes based off of how you sell or don't sell. That's where as an advisor, that's where we earn our income. It's, it's not about rates of return. Sure, everybody wants a good rate of return, but if we can save people on how they liquidate that over time and save them on taxes, then that's worth the price of admission right there. So definitely seek out professional advice, Kate, before you do anything. Thanks, Kate, for that question. A very good one. I'm sure a lot of people have a similar question indeed. That is just, you know, that is the catch-22 always, right? Capturing those gains versus paying taxes. It's, it's a problem we all have to deal with, but there are some uh, solutions there too. So make sure you do work with a professional. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Perfect Game Retirement. Again, we'll put it up online at blackoakam.com along with all of our other episodes. So if you want to go back and listen to anything we've discussed before, it'll all be right there on the website. Plus, Ryan offers a retirement rescue toolkit, a retirement calculator, and the ability to schedule your retirement coach 360 session online right now. Again, go to blackoakam.com. Ryan, thanks for taking us through this today. I know it's uh, going to be difficult for a lot of people in retirement, but again, planning is the solution for all your needs. Absolutely. The sooner you do it, the better. Take care. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, please, so you'll have the next episode delivered right to you. You don't want to miss a single show that we talk about. So we'll talk to you again soon, Ryan. Thanks, man. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.